This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression, and this podcast aims to share it all. From personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On this episode, we are talking with Amanda Cunningham. She is a pop R&B singer-songwriter. For Amanda, songwriting and singing provide her with an outlet to put her oversharing to good use, letting others know that it's okay to poke fun at your imperfections and the trauma you've gone through and hopefully grown from. She's also a wife and the mother of a 10-year-old. She struggled with mental health her whole life, recently having been diagnosed as having a bipolar two. And she hopes that what she's gone through and the lessons she's learned as a young mother can help other women who might be in a similar position. Amanda shares the struggles she went through in her years after having her daughter. And unfortunately, she suffered for years until she found the treatment and therapy that worked for her. And she shares some insights on what it felt like for her to be going through these struggles. And she shares with us also the all too common experience of having guilt and not really understanding what is going on for you and how that might be impacting you or your child. It's a really tough position to be not feeling well and to not have answers, to be searching for how to feel better, and then just being in that fog of not knowing. All of us who have suffered through any kind of mental health condition or situation know how difficult that can be. And thankfully, she is sharing her experience with us so that we can see how she found healing. And hopefully that can be an avenue for other people as well. So let's meet Amanda. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you share your story. I don't know a whole lot much about the music industry and music in general. I know there are a lot of people out there who do and the kind of intersection that you're bringing, how your story unfolded for you and how it impacted your music and, and all that. I'm just really interested to, to understand how, how all of that worked out for you. So to that end, 
I'd love for you to start anywhere you're comfortable with your story. So my story is I got pregnant a month before I turned 20. So I was 19 and my husband jokes that I was teen pregnant. It's not a joke, but he like will make fun of me where I'll like be an adult. And he was like, yeah, but you got teen pregnant. So like, it's just funny joke. No, not that funny. It's an inside joke, I guess. Anyways. Yeah. So I got pregnant. I had my daughter at 20. So I guess I had, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had, I also have had issues before I got pregnant with like mental health and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I had like a really kind of chaotic upbringing. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know it was normal and blah, blah, blah. So I already had issues as a teenager. And I mean, mind you, I was basically a child when I got pregnant. (laughs) Like I look at like, you know, 19 year olds now. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I had a kid at 19. Like they look like babies to me now. It looks insane to me that I had a kid at that point, but I had issues as a teenager and I didn't really know what they were. It was just like, whatever. It was just teenager stuff. Right. And then when I got pregnant, I think like, like looking at it now, I had depression and I probably had it before. And then the hormones accelerated. So like when I was, and I was also in a really bad situation, just like physically, like not abusive, but like a bad environment like the the house I was in was like what you might see on like TLC hoarders situation kind of thing it was just like very chaotic I didn't have a good support system my boyfriend at the time who I haven't seen in like my daughter's 10 now she hasn't I I haven't seen him since she was 15 months old so like I just refer to him as my baby daddy now which I guess is typical of getting pregnant at like 19 but he wasn't really around, like he was in and out. And so I was basically home by myself a lot mm-hmm. in like a really dirty, chaotic situation. And I didn't have any money. And at that point, I already graduated high school because I was 19 and I was doing my associate's degree. I had just finished that and I was planning on going to finish the last two years. So I was like in this in-between where I didn't have a job. I didn't have any, like it was just like me hanging out at home. Yeah. It was just like a really not great situation. So I don't know how much of it was like, it was like a bunch of factors, right? So sure. I don't, I assume yeah. there was like mental stuff and then there was also like everything else around it sure. that just amplified it. Lots of stress. Yeah, just a ton of stress. And so like when I was pregnant, I would like lay in bed and just like sleep, just lay in bed and not do anything and like nothing really. I'm trying to think about it. Like I would just randomly start crying type of thing. Like just, I assume like normal depression stuff. And then I had my daughter and then I was still living at my mom's house. This was my mom's house at the time. I lived with her until my daughter was almost three. And I lived with my now husband, who was my boyfriend. And then I just moved straight from my mom's house into an apartment with him that we got together. So I've never actually lived by myself. I, my friends were like, wait, you never lived by yourself? I was like, no, I got pregnant. And then I immediately moved in with my boyfriend, who I'm now married to. And But yeah, I had, when I had her, it was the same exact situation, except I now had a baby. So all of that plus lot sleeping right and then the stress of the baby and then the physical stuff of like me trying to heal myself and like trying to shower and then having her and then terrified that she's gonna like fall off or something and so like I can't I can remember like turning the shower off at one point because I left her in the room to sleep turning it off and being like okay I hear her like terrified that something was going wrong and I looked I didn't have anyone to watch her to do anything by myself and Mm -hmm. like I had um at one point I got like mastesis I think that's what it is right with like you have like a block yeah yeah it, all of a sudden, I had no idea what it was, and it like, oh my god, it hurt, and I had this terrible fever, and like it just hurt, and so I like read to massage it, but I didn't really have anybody at the time. My sister was also living at home. At this time, my mom wasn't really living with us. It was like a weird situation, and there's issues about it now, but she wasn't really living with us. It was basically me and my sister at home by ourselves, and at the time, 
my sister is four years younger than me, so she was, like, 16. Mm. And so it was basically just me and her hanging out. And so, like, I remember when I had it, I had to be like, can you please just take her so I can deal with it? Because I was, like, basically having a fever, and I felt yeah. terrible all yeah. of a sudden. Right. And she watched her. Um, and we recently talked about that, actually, because she, she just had a baby, too. And she was like, remember that time? And I was just like, yeah, I forgot about that. Which reminds me, I guess it reminds me that I kind of blocked a lot of that stuff out. And she'll bring stuff up. And I'm like, mm. what? She'd be like, yeah, I remember that time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I just, it was just like during pregnancy and, and postpartum. It was mostly postpartum. Like, I don't remember. Like, it was mostly like the pregnancy stuff was a blur just because I was yeah. like going through stuff. Yeah. And then like the whole, like the first two years of her life were just kind of a blur because mm-hmm. I was just going through a lot. And like, I wasn't super mentally present. I guess, like, I'm trying to think, like, I mean, I, I probably, I don't, like, when I look at it now, I'm like, oh, I clearly had postpartum depression, but back then I didn't know, both by myself, and I had no idea, like, this wasn't talked about and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, it was very clearly postpartum depression, like, pretty yeah. hard. Right. So. And no, nobody was, like, no professionals, no OBs or anything like that, or, or primary care. Did you have anybody who maybe, like, asked you any questions about it, about how you were doing I don't. I don't remember. It was mostly like a physical thing. So like I had the um, what was it? What was it? That just like the standard checkup when you like have a baby. It's like the right afterwards, and then the six weeks or whatever. And then it's like I think you only get like two or three, and they pretty much just check on you physically. Like they yep. didn't, and not that it's their problem per se about like what my home life is like, but like there was no questions asked. Nobody asked if I needed help. Like I asked, yeah. I was asked if I needed like nursing help. Mm-hmm. And I did in the hospital and they did give me that, like, just because they were, you know, they were there. So they did help me like learn how to do it. Right. And I figured it out at home. Like I breastfed her until she was like 14, 15 months and it was fine. But that was like the only actual, I mean, I didn't ask for help because I didn't know right. to ask for help. I, I'm like, I'm not trying to like put things on other people. It's just like, I no. didn't know yeah. what was normal. And I know the situation in general was messed up. You sure. Know? I mean, yeah. I and mean, what you're describing is, is true for a lot of people who have postpartum depression that kind of like fogginess that you were describing it's hard to remember it's hard to kind of even know what you should ask about anything so yeah that that all makes sense when you when you describe it yes this episode is supported by factor eating better is better with ready to eat factor meals and ready to eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done i mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high-protein and calorie-smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic-roasted green beans. This is restaurant-quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order, as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food, like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. 
And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breast that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mind listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. So you were describing kind of being, though it was a blur, those, those yeah. two years, and it was hard to remember. What you know now is, like looking back on it now, what do you remember? What do you think was going on in terms of like postpartum depression or whatever else? You were dealing with. I mean, looking back now, like at this point, call it eight years because she's 10 now. Like, I don't know. I just very clearly postpartum. I guess what like irritates me is that nobody around me like offered actual help. And I didn't have that big of a support system. But like, I don't know. I guess that's still an issue in like my family now is that like nobody like that's one of the issues. I don't know if my mom's ever going to see this. But like, that's one of our main issues right now is that like I got out of living at that house and like out of like that type of situation and then finally was like, like this like big thing just like crash and I was like oh my god like that was terrible why did uh-huh. nobody like ever and like my sister and I are like not bonding trauma bonding but like we're stepping outside of it now being like oh my god that was terrible like you don't realize it in the moment yeah and so we're coming out until we're out so I like it came crashing down when I moved in with my now my boyfriend who my now husband and I was just like why do I feel like I actually felt momentarily worse because I guess I was like safe enough to like feel the stuff yeah. And, like, at home, I came crashing down. I was like, oh, my God, that was terrible. Like, why didn't someone, like – and it's just, like, a weird thing, too, because, like, my – because uh, I, I don't know how long postpartum lasts, but I felt that way. Like, the, ex- the extremes of it were, like, less so after, like, the year and a half. But then I still felt that kind of depression, yeah. just anxiety thing yeah, for, sure. for a while afterwards. And I just – just at a certain point, I'm like, this is just normal. Like, I don't know what is not normal this is normal for me. And then like like a few years ago, my husband and I talked about it and I was, I forget how the conversation started, but he was like, Oh yeah. Like you were definitely like, like when we first started dating and I was like, what you could tell. And he was like, yeah, you'd come over to the house and like, you'd just stay in bed for like hours. And like, I'd go outside and play with her. And I was like, why did you, why were you with me? Like, what were you doing? Was this fun for you? Like what, what you saw that, why were you just like, I don't know. I liked, I liked when you were I guess there were, like, ways, right? So, like, I liked when you were, like, you, like, hi, and I just took that as, like, the low or whatever. And I was, like, okay. Like, you clearly have issues with trying to fix somebody. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, right. Okay. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I was, like, you clearly have issues. And he was, like, I don't think so, man. I was just, like, okay, whatever you say. I'm, I'm better. Like, I'm, I'm fine. It was a while ago, but I also just got, I guess, less than six months ago. And I don't know how much these things, like, interplay with each other, but I just got diagnosed by a psychiatrist as bipolar 2 which I guess is a less extreme version than bipolar and yeah. I only went after the diagnosis is because like I still always just feel off and so I think mm-hmm. I just have generally mental health issues and then like the hormones and then the situation I was in just amplified it and they didn't really solve themselves I had to like actively like at, like when I moved in with my husband at that point it was like five years ago that was when I was like, that was the first time I was like, he was the one that was like, I think you need to talk to some, cause I would like cry him calling. Like I would call him for my job, call him at his job crying. He was like, I think you need to talk to somebody. I was like, who? He's like, I think you should like, he would like help me and stuff yeah. like that. Right. But it wasn't until like he suggested it, that it ever popped in my head that there was people like this, like it wasn't normal, I guess. Cause I didn't that know. You could feel different. This, that this was just how you felt. 
Yeah, it's just how I felt. And so I just thought it was like not normal per se, but it was normal for me. And so I thought it was just like a normal thing that I was feeling. And then there was just like crazy waves where I would feel terrible. And like, that was just how I felt. Like that was just how I would be feeling for my life, you know? And I just couldn't be like other people for whatever reason, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I guess going back to the postpartum thing, like, I mean, I feel bad about it. Like, I, I don't know if there's anything to feel bad about it, but, like, my daughter's 10 now, and, like, she'll be talking to her friends, and she'll be like, I don't know how it comes up because they're kids, so I don't know how conversations happen with them, but she'll just randomly be asking me, like, what were my first words? And I'm like, I don't know, like, and, like, she asked it, like, she, I think she asked it in front of my sister, and my sister was like, and I was like, I don't know, and she was like, just make something up, and I was like, am I supposed to make something up? Should I lie to her, or should I, like, I don't know what's right for, because yeah. I've, you know, I've told her, like, she, cause she was three when we were still living there and like, it was like a, she had a different image of what it was like when living with Gamma and like Gamma was all fun and would give her gummies and put her in front of the TV and watch TV. And like, I was like, you know, like just alone kind of thing. So she was very different things. And I would like, I'll casually be like, I don't know what you thought. Like mm-hmm. it was, but that was not like fun for me. Like that was really rough for me. And so yeah. like, I'm, she's 10, so I don't tell her everything. So I'm like, I'll wait till she's older to talk about bigger things. But like in those situations, I'm like, I literally just, the entire first two years of her life are just kind of like a weird, mm-hmm. sad, yeah. angry blur. Yeah. Oh, I, I really appreciate you sharing that part of your journey because it's this happens for a lot of people. And I know there's there's a lot of people who can identify with this. Just kind of going through it, not not knowing that anything could be different, all of a sudden realizing that like the life that you had been living was impacting you and and now feeling the heaviness of this. And honestly, you know, the, the postpartum depression can last for so long, especially if you're not getting the help that you deserve. And, you know, th- those symptoms can last for years. It's just, it makes me so sad that we're not doing a better job to help moms so that, you know, Ideally, you wouldn't have had to suffer for that long. Somebody could have picked up on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I'm like, I don't know who, because like, again, looking back, I'm like, I don't know who would have except my immediate family because I was mostly alone. And then like the doctors, I guess, when I got my checkups, because like after those initial, like right afterwards, and then like the 60s, whatever, like the standard operating procedure is for like vaginal delay. I don't remember, but it was very like, this is what you do with it. And it was like two or three checkups, basically checking stitches. And stuff, I don't remember anyone asking. And if they did, it wasn't, like, the questions that I would have been, like, yeah. Like, that maybe they would have picked up on. And then, right. I don't know. Like, I, I I don't know. I don't know what would be, I don't know, home visits? I, I don't know because I don't, like. Now, not as much even a couple of years ago. But now a lot of pediatricians are asking because that's where you go. That's what, Yeah. Exactly. I didn't, so that's what, sorry, that's what I was going to say is like after my, like those just standard, like three things, the only time I ever went to the doctor afterwards with her shots and I went there all the time to get her shots and they didn't ask me anything. They asked me about her and I'm like, yeah, she's alive. Here she is. Like, I mean, there's nothing to report on her. She's fine. Like it wasn't, it wasn't her. That was the issue. It was me that was struggling. I'm like keeping her alive. She's fine. Cause that's what I was going to say is I guess like the pediatrician asking more about like, that like the only time that I yeah. felt like they generate like they insinuated anything was like she had a lot of she was late speaking mm-hmm. and because she had ear infections all the time it turned out so she couldn't hear the same thing again and again so she couldn't repeat it or whatever so that's so once we got her tubes or whatever done at like two she was started talking like it was pretty quickly but they like at the pediatrician they were concerned because she wasn't talking before the tubes 
And they asked like, um, I forget the exact question, but, but I remember it made me mad. And could I, I took it as like, they were like judging me mm-hmm. like for being alone and being a single mom. But what they asked was like, is dad at home? Like, like to, and what I'm like, when I told somebody this recently, they were like, it's probably because you talk to somebody while you're there. But if it's just her and I all the time, I'm usually sitting in silence or just talking to her occasionally. Like I'm not having full blown conversations. So I'm like, I don't know what they insinuate. I don't know what they meant by that. But that's the only time I remember them asking about my home life was asking is dad around because she wasn't talking. And again, it's not their problem, but theoretically my well being does impact her well being. So like, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) So I don't, I mean, they, maybe they should ask more questions about like, but then it's intrusive. So I don't know what rights versus, you know, so it's, I guess it's complicated. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't know who would have picked up on it and when and why. No, I mean, you, you have, you have a lot of good points and um, you're, you're pointing out the massive flaws in our care, in our system of care is that moms kind of like, you get all of this attention during pregnancy, make sure everything's going okay. And then a couple of visits postpartum. And then that's it. Nobody's really yeah. like, how are you doing? And and that's been the case for a long time, unfortunately. But as you said, that like the pediatricians could be asking and can be asking. Uh, and that, that's the, the where things are going right now, thankfully. But it, I mean, what you're describing is so just just such a real and true thing that people aren't like nobody's getting you checking in on you and getting you that the help that you need at, at that point. Um, yeah. So it sounds like going back to what you said before that when your daughter was about five years old, that's around the time you started therapy. I guess maybe she was younger, I think, because we because it was pretty much like a few months after we moved out of my mom's house into the apartment with my now husband. Actually, it might have been like six and a half, seven years ago. So maybe I like mm-hmm. thought it was maybe I'm underestimating how long we've been together I think is what's happening and I'm like wait we have been living in this city now for seven years I'm underestimating that so never mind yeah no it was actually younger than that because I remember like she was it was a whole situation because it was a lot of things that brought my husband be like I think she because like I would like she was like also like super attached to me because it was just mainly her and I and so anytime like she wanted a lot of attention she like even now she like feeds off of my emotions and so like she's very like like a dog sensitive to like, so when I'm in a bad mood, it basically puts everyone in a bad mood. Mm. So I have to like, which is really annoying because I'm like, Oh my God, can I just feel my feelings without yeah. like you picking up on it? It's so, it's so stressful. Cause then I'm like, Oh my sure. God, I'm the reason that's causing this, but I can feel my feelings. But it was like, like she would get like really clingy. And then I remember I woke up cause I wanted to go to a yoga class and it was like five o'clock cause it was like an early yoga class. And I guess she had woken up and then like, she started crying and wouldn't let me leave. And like, I just like, sat on the floor and was sobbing and my husband came out and was like what what like we're just both crying and always like what is happening which is why I'm like now I'm like why did you stay what was wrong with you did you love me that much already like you're crazy like that was around the time it was like that type of stuff and then me calling him at work it was like that like thing that he was like I think you should talk to somebody because he like I think recognized that this was like bigger than just like feeling upset at something and so I think it was six and a half seven years ago and I went to a therapist then at that point for like because I was still on my mom's insurance because I was I I don't know 25 I was under 27 yeah so under her insurance it was free um well she had paid it quite a bit because she had a bunch of people anyways so it was free under her and so I would think I was going every week for like probably like a year maybe 
And it was really helpful. Like, it got me through, like, some initial stuff. It took a minute to, like, figure out where to find somebody. I know that's not what this is, but it's just, like, everyone's like, go to therapy. And I'm like, yeah, but there's different kind of therapists. And, like, the one I went, the first one I went to made me actually feel worse because she talked about things that were not at all relevant and were, like, blaming it on my father, who's, like, an alcoholic who I haven't seen in, like, since I was, like, 10. And I'm like, I get how that could be related, but, like, that's not relevant to why I'm crying in the middle of work, calling my boyfriend. And, like, that's not relevant. Right. I'm so glad you're you're telling us this, telling me this. I'm so sorry that you had that experience, but oh my gosh, this happened. This like therapists who are not like trained or who don't have the understanding of where you are in that in that moment because of postpartum yeah. stuff. It happens so often that people feel worse. You know, yeah. Unfortunately, it's really another thing where we could just be doing so much better. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it, and their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin has several other high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable and not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash momandmind for 25% off. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin, and for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. While I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells, and the OneSkin scientists found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's OneSkin. So you found after that, therapist, what happened? Yeah, after that, I thought, because I only went to her for one because I was like, I actually felt worse and I was crying about things that were not why I came in. It was like really weird. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go to her again. So I literally went to her one time. I was like, I'm done. Um, and then I found another really, really wonderful one. And she was a CBT mm-hmm. therapist, mm-hmm. 
which was really helpful. It got me to like think about the, I'm sure everyone knows who's listening and then you know what CBT is. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. I'm not mad about like my husband or my boyfriend not putting the dishwasher away. I'm mad that he's not listening to me. Therefore, I'm not being felt like I'm not being seen and like it's deeper and I just need to make sure I'm clear on things and being like, I feel like you are not listening to me when blah, blah, blah. So that was really helpful. It was just kind of like, I don't know if we necessarily talked about like the postpartum stuff specifically. Like I don't, I think I just kind of at that point, it was just like a general depression because it was like at that point, like two and a half, three years. It was like three years later than at that point that I had her. She was like three. So it was like just a general now carrying over of depression and just having issues. And she put me, well, she didn't put me on. She recommended that I go to my primary to get antidepressants, which I did. So I was on those for I think like two years. And then I went to her for like every week for like a year. And then I think I downgraded to like every other week. And then like, you know, like that type of thing and just kind of petered that out. And then I was like, fine for a while, like, and not fine, but like gave me tools that I was like, I feel pretty good. I don't really know what I have to talk about right now, you know? Right. right. So um, how did these uh, several years impact you and your music? Well, I'd obviously impact me personally. But I honestly didn't do anything with music until I was 25. And I used to feel really bad and like about that. And like, why didn't I do anything? And I realized recently within the last like year or two that like, if I believe in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm like, I never really had like the foundational stuff Mm -hmm. to feel secure. And so I never really thought of my future. And so I was thinking about that, like last year being like, Yeah, but Amanda, like, what were your plans after high school? Like, you did well. Like, you did fine. Like, you didn't have any plans, though. You just, like, applied to college. Like, you just went to get – you went to a community college because Mm -hmm. we were poor. And so it was the easy way to get the the two years. And then I was going to transfer in to get another two years to just finish. But, like, I had literally no plans because I was just, like, living my life because I didn't – I didn't have the mental capability to think beyond that. And so I honestly didn't even do music until I turned, started doing music until I turned 25. And that was around the time that I moved in with my boyfriend. Cause I, once again, I was just like, oh, I like the house is clean. We had like steady income coming in. Like it was just like, not like we're rich, but it was just like, okay, I have food in the fridge. Cause I'm like during that time also, I was, I was basically a kid and like I didn't, I was, didn't have support system anyway. So I was like on welfare, I was on food stamps. She was on the daycare assisted fund. Like we were getting all the government resources, which I, which is why I'm like, when I see other people doing it, I'm like, good, get yours because like, I feel okay about it. Like I, I put my money back in when I got a job and like I got off of it. Like, it's just like a, it's just like a little boost, but I didn't have any of that. So I didn't actually start doing music until all that foundational stuff was steady that I was like, wait, what do I want to do? Yeah. Yeah, So I'm like, I didn't actually start really messing around with it for like five until like five years ago. And I've just been like, basically, which is, again, it's like kind of stressful for me because I try not to beat myself up about it because there's like 13 year olds on YouTube that are just like popping off. And I'm like over here, just like learning how to play guitar at like 30 and like, oh my God, is this even worth it? Like Billie Eilish is winning Grammys at like 16. I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, um, it's hard. That comparison trap is a rough. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to do it because it's not relevant and like different life experiences and blah blah blah. And I didn't know, so it's fine. It's just kind of like that's I didn't start honestly until like five years ago. And so I'm so like for the EP, for example, like a lot of that stuff was like more introspective and stuff like that. So I was talking about like baby daddy relationship and kind of how that came to be because like I don't I don't know if this is the case, but in my mind, I'm like I feel like 19 year olds don't just get pregnant because like everything's cool beans. Like there's probably something off 
in some way, like, they're looking for something. Like, I was looking for someone to, like, I guess, support me, like, mm-hmm. love me so I could feel love. Like, I was trying to create a, like, I wasn't trying to create a family because the pregnancy was not on purpose. It was, it was cause and effect. I believed something that I shouldn't have believed. It was, it was kind of, you know, naivety and believing somebody, but like, it wasn't because I was like happy in my life. It was because I was looking for something and like, so that's kind of what like the songs from my EP were about and kind of, cause they were in October. Sorry. You specifically um, wrote a song about your struggles with postpartum depression. I don't think I put it out. I've written a couple songs about it. It's just like, I've talked to my friend about this cause she's had a lot of trauma and like abuse and stuff like that too. We never really write songs typically about the thing. Mm-hmm. And like, it's usually like about the feelings, but even then we don't yeah. really do it. Cause I, I've tried, I tried to sit down and do it, but like, I didn't even know it's, it's almost like too much that I didn't even know what to say because yeah. with like writing a song, you kind of have to pick a thing. You can't just be talking about like an entire huge list of things. You got to pick something kind of and narrow it down. Other people can't follow. It's too much right. because I think it's so, cause I tried to sit down a bunch of times and be like, okay. And then there was just too much that I wanted to say, but then it was like too specific, but like, it was just like a lot. And then I didn't know how to do it. And then I was like, what am I trying to get out? Like what feeling? And I was like, it's just general sadness and overwhelm. And I'm like, what kind of song is that? Like, what am I doing with that song? <laughs> like, is this supposed to be inspirational? Because it's not inspirational. It's just a really sad. And so I just kind of half finished those songs, you know, and I'm just like, and I don't know now if it's like too late sometimes to write about these types of things. Because at this point, I'm like, yeah, it's sad. But I'm like, I've learned stuff through it. I'm not like trying to silver line trauma, right? It's just kind of like, no. it sucks. But at this point, I'm like, I've had other life experiences. I'm mostly okay. Like I can talk about it with people, but I don't know if like me writing about it through music and creating songs. Cause like now that I'm doing music, music, like I'm full-time doing music now for the past year and a half as like a lead singer and like songwriter. And I get paid for like vocal sessions and stuff like that. Like the point of songs is to make people feel something theoretically or tell a story. Like, and so like, if I sit down to write that, I'm like, what am I trying to get people to feel? Am I trying to get them to feel sad? Like, do I want people to feel sad? I don't really want people to feel sad. And so if it's just for me to express my sadness, I'm like, there's other ways for me to express that, that I don't necessarily even feel called to through writing, because honestly, it just doesn't, I prefer to talk some things out. Like, so like the issues I've had with like my mom and stuff like that, I've talked, like I've written those things to her and through letter and stuff like that. Like, I don't feel called to write a song about that per se. So I don't know. That's just like a weird, maybe me thing that I don't necessarily sometimes feel like I wrote a song about like my baby daddy situation. Like I said, how I was 19 and how, cause I used to be like really down on myself about like, God, I was so stupid. Why did I believe that? Like, why? Like, and then I look back as like 30 year old me, like Amanda, you were a child. Like you were looking for, like you were looking for certain things. You thought it was that it turned out not to be that like you weren't stupid. Like it's just not stupid. It was naivety and believing somebody basically. Yeah, I mean, that, that's to your point, like being able to have that, you know, 10-year perspective after you've done some some healing and you have some yeah. distance from it, it, it. Things you can give your, you can look back with a little bit more compassion now that you've, you understand more about what you were going through at the time. It's really hard when you're in it to feel yeah. compassionate, about, you know, towards yeah. yourself or give yourself any slack. You're just in it. Yeah, yeah. So with that um, kind of historical perspective, I suppose, um, what are the things or some of the things that you've learned about your journey 
now that you have this like perspective? I don't know about the learn. I guess I've just been, and this is like recent, the past like year or two that I've been like not so hard on myself and more examining why things happen, not just beating myself up over things, but just like, cause like, again, when I like now, not that it's like an age thing. And like, now that I'm 30 and like, I'll like look at kids who are like nine, in my mind, 19, like that are kids in my mind. I'll look at them and think that they still look, they still look like babies to me. And like looking at my pictures, I'm like, oh, I still look like a baby. It made me think of like, well, cause there's like that, uh, like that therapist thing of like you or like, you know, the self-talk about like, would you say this to yourself as a five-year-old? Like basically like picturing right. yourself as that. And like when yeah. I thought of that, I was like, I was like, and then I guess as I'm getting older, I'm like looking at these teenagers, which I was 19. And I wouldn't have said that to that person. Like they're clearly like struggling. Mm-hmm. And so it's more just like, I guess the compassion, I guess it would be the compassion and just more like looking at the why, not so much like what are the results and consequences, but like why, what could have led to this and not yeah. just like cause and effect, obviously like things lead to cause effects, but like what led to that and like analyzing that and then like trying to, I guess, fix that thing. Because that thing didn't get fixed when I had her and it didn't get fixed for years and I'm still like trying to fix it now. And it's better. But like now like fix it for you personally or fix it between you and your daughter or No, like fix it for me because I guess like I and like not that it's related to postpartum and stuff like that, but like especially talking to my sister, we're realizing like my mom had issues. Like she was married to an alcoholic, had me on purpose because she wanted something to love her. And she was going to leave my dad, but then found out she was pregnant with my sister. And so she stayed. And so there's a lot of like stuff there that she like then made further like stuff down the line and then obviously like affected us. So we're both like kind of figuring this out. Right. And so me realizing like, I don't want to do that to my daughter. And I don't think I'll do the same, like everyone's going to mess their kids up, but I don't want to mess her up in that same way. Right. And I know that I won't do that because I'm aware of what she did. I think for like yeah. 80s. 5% of the parts, so I can at least do avoid 85% of that mess up. But then I have my own mental health issues, like I said, where I was earlier on when I was just diagnosed with uh, bipolar 2. And I only figure that out because I still like have these like waves and stuff. And I was like, Oh, my God, it, like antidepressants are still not working. Because I stopped doing them like a while ago, because I just felt numb, like nothing. I hated that. And I rather just feel like the ups and downs. And I had like the tools from therapy. And so I was like, all right, I'm just gonna like, chill and I'm gonna see how it goes and as long as I'm not like crazy dipping I'm gonna stay off of it and I've been good but it's just like kind of nagging but I got diagnosed with that because my sister very clearly has it my dad had it and there's like a fam- familial thing so they just said okay cool but like I'm inconsistent and so I worry that that sometimes will impact my daughter because she is so like she's so able to pick up on my emotions mm-hmm. and like I don't want her to read my up and down swings as inconsistency of like loving her I guess uh-huh, right. I don't know how to, if that makes, I don't no, know how to, yeah. okay. <laughs> I totally hear what you're saying. Um, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, what you're sharing is just our, our family history impacts us. There's no way around that. And you have done so much work. It sounds like to, to really piece things together um, so that you can p- stop that the generational, whatever was happening yeah. with your mom and probably, who knows how far down the mm. line, but it, it's a lot of work to be the the person who's doing the healing and the and, and trying to stop that from going down the line even further. It's great and amazing that you're doing that um, for yourself and for your daughter, and really grateful that you've shared this with us. Of course. So for 
what would you say to people who might be in, let's say, similar situations that you had, um, who might be listening right now? Like, what, what would you say to them if you were giving them some of what you might have needed at the time? This is a generic thing, but like, I guess get help sooner. But like, I didn't know that I needed help. So that's kind of like a weird thing to say. It's just kind of like, I don't know, because I would be like, get a support system. You can't just get a support system. Because <laughs> I feel like the biggest things for like this type of stuff is like support systems and help, which is essentially a support system. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Just reach out to people that you feel safe with and like ask for help. Or like even I guess if you have doctor checkups, like talk about it. Like I don't know if I would have even thought to talk about it, quite honestly, at a pediatrician because it was all about her. So I wouldn't have been like, hey, I'm having these feelings. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I don't know. So just, I, I don't know, get help, but mm-hmm. only if you recognize you need help. Well, right. I'm not very good at this. I don't know. No, no, you're, you're absolutely spot on. My assumption is that anyone who's listening to this is here for a reason. Um, this is a very specific podcast, just focused yeah. on these things. So sometimes people wander in and listen to a story and start to realize that they maybe are having some similar experiences. And so what you're providing and what you're offering is, is super important. Okay. <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> you did. I don't know. I tried. Um, yeah. Well, I thank you so much for your time and sharing your experience and your journey with us. Um, and I know that you have been working on your music and people can go and listen to some of your music. Um, at your website, amandacunningham.com. Yep. Um, also on Instagram and um, TikTok. Yes. They can find you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and sharing with us today. Thank you for having me on today. Amanda wrote a song about her struggles with uh, postpartum depression and having a bipolar 2 diagnosis. She is happy to share it with us. You can find her at amandacunningham.com. Also on Instagram, I am Amanda Cunningham, as well as TikTok, I am Amanda Cunningham. Thank you again, Amanda, for sharing your story with us and helping us learn another way that somebody can heal. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.